Hi and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined today by Dee, Peter and Fry. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Dee Hogan. I'm a writer and editor for Anifem, as well as the contributor re- liaison and uh, organizational wizard. Um, I also run The Jose Next Door, a friendly neighborhood anime blog, um, and you can hang out with me on both Twitter and Tumblr at Jose Next Door. I'm uh, Peter Phobian. I'm Associates Features Editor for Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. I'm Vry Kaiser. You, I'm a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist, and you can find all the places what I do things by throwing Vry Kaiser <laughs> into the Googles, K-A-I-S-E-R. You know, I, I love talking to the people, so come see me. Okay, and today is the second podcast recording for our six-month anniversary for Anime Feminist. I probably could have said that better. Anime Feminist has been around for six months. Hooray! Yay! But Huzzah! We've recorded one podcast where we talk about Anime anime Feminist and our experiences working with it and building up the community around it and our plans for the future. But we also had a lot of questions when we put this out to Twitter um, asking us about anime and our opinions about anime, which is shocking. Um, so we're going to go through those today. So just before we start, just quickly, um, I just want to ask each of you what your usual anime viewing habits were before joining Anifem, because I think, Vry, you didn't really watch very much, did you? Uh, uh, well, no, usually what, um, I, I kind of go in cycles. I think most fans who are into anime for long enough do, but yeah. before I got involved with the side, it was very much, um, I'd pick, maybe I'd pick up a an older show that I had meant to watch back in the 90s or early 2000s um, and hadn't just hadn't gotten to. And then maybe if I heard uh, one or two shows a season that were particularly interesting to me, then I would pick that up. Like, um, you know, I watched I watched Yuri Kuma Arashi and then nothing, 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 nothing. And then I watched Yuri right. on Ice. <laughs> <laughs> right. So actually doing like taking part in Anifem, you've started watching more kind of currently airing stuff yeah just in terms of uh, partly to write content for the site and then partly just yeah. because it, it's it's fun to have a it's nice to have a community of people that i like that are talking about that and i want to be able to take part in those conversations so it's just behooves me and then on the other end of the spectrum i think peter you were watching pretty much everything airing before because of your work with crunchyroll so has right. that changed at all since joining anifem I don't think so. Yeah, I no, do I weekly features so. on Crunchyroll, so I watch just about everything, at least to a certain point, and I tend to keep up with quite a few series per uh, season. So yeah. uh, I, I felt like I had a pretty good base to start writing for Anime Feminist. And Dee, how about you? Has your Have your viewing habits changed at all with anime? Uh, no. Well, like, they changed when I started my own blog. Yeah. Uh, God, like three years ago. Um which was when I made the awesome decision to watch every premiere and, <laughs> and then go from there. Um, and so I've kind of, I've done my best to kind of keep up with that with Annie Femme because um, kind of like Bryce said, like it, it is continuing to be a good thing for me to keep up with, with lots of the new shows. Uh, one thing I will say is I have gone back and revisited older stuff more than I was beforehand. Like I've kind of, Whereas, where I used to maybe watch, like, God, like, ten shows a season, even though I maybe wasn't that into, like, the bottom, like, three, um, now I'll trim some of those bottom shows off and watch, and, like, rewatch. Um, like, right now I'm going through the story of Sion Koku, um, the, the delightful shoujo that time forgot. <laughs> and, um, and part of that is to kind of refresh myself on some older material that maybe I can get um, a good article out of, or um, just to have that, that kind of refresh in my memory. So I have gone back to the older stuff a little bit more since I started since we started with Anifem, but um, I was already watching like a bunch of the new stuff, so that's continued. I think it's been the other way around for me. I was watching all the the new airing stuff uh, when I started my personal blog. That was last January, and so I've watched every new premiere since the winter twenty sixteen season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've stopped watching all this stuff, so I've stopped going back catalog because I just don't have time anymore. Um, so I'm really hoping as Anifem grows and I have less of the, the day-to-day running on my own shoulders, I can actually start watching more back catalogue. But at the moment, it's very much currently airing anime and very little else. I also just want to ask, just cover this before we get into the anime questions, what kind of shows 
do you are you drawn to like what draws you to an anime so right I know you we were talking earlier about how you're drawn to to the trash of the world (laughs) I I yeah I love basically well my favorite anime is Gankutsuo so if is it gay is it surreal it's probably for me (laughs) (laughs) we'll discuss flip flappers later (laughs) which I haven't watched and keep meaning to it's on the schedule I swear um but otherwise I do like series that I, I hate series that feel really calculated and kind of slimy in that way. But if a series is just a dumb concept done wholeheartedly, I'll probably watch it. I, I love that kind of sincere, that that sincere doofiness. And Peter, how about you? That's a really hard question, actually. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I've sprung this on you. <laughs> I, uh, there's like a lot of like elements that I like. So if stuff has one or more of these elements, then typically I can really get into it. Um, and it's stuff like Shonen where it has like really strong like emotional narratives uh, especially like single character focus I think are really interesting uh, strong use of visual metaphor specifically when it comes to anime and not manga I, I love uh, like art house series uh, as well just to see like what animators can do and how they can portray a lot of that stuff visually uh, and anything that has like cognitive spaces in it uh, like flip flappers paprika um uh, a little bit of Shogun Roku Rakugo Shinju, um, where it it does a lot of stuff like allegorically in these these un, like unreal environments. I think it's just because I was a psych major. Uh, I, I find that stuff really cool, and like cyberpunk as a genre. And D, how about you? I like a lot of things. I have a wide umbrella. I don't know. Um, I got into shoujo like a lot when I was um, growing up. And so that has always kind of been near and dear to my heart. Although I tend to come down a little bit harsher on it, I think, because the good stuff is just like the best out there. And then the bad stuff has all the things I really hate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's a, it's a, you know, I I hold it, I I think I hold it to kind of a high standard because I I do like it. And it's kind of been a part of my life for so long. Um, I am fantasy trash. So if yeah. you set up, if you have like a, you know, a, a story with like a fantastical setting or elements, um, as long as there's nothing like egregiously, you know, awful about it, um, I'll probably stick around. Um, have you watched ReZero yet? I have not. Um, I, I caught the first episode because I watch all the premieres. Um, and the what I heard from other people about it made me think <laughs> it was not a show I would personally like. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic answer. That's very diplomatic and accurate, I'm sure. It's entirely fair. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of like, I tend to gravitate, again, I tend to like good shoujos. Um, I tend to gravitate towards historical fictions. I love um, the kind of surreal art house type stuff like Peter and Vi were talking about, um, just because they do tend to give you a lot to think about, which is fun. So even if I'm not like really emotionally dedicated to it, there's still something there that I can kind of latch onto. Um, and then just to kind of see how different people present the world. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I tend to gravitate towards stories that are a little bit outside of my own experience. So I'm like, for a long time, I really had no interest in like anime that took place in high school, but now that I'm far enough removed from high school, there's some interest in that and kind of like, you know, the, the adolescent experience, I guess. Um, I think I'm again, kind of opposite well, and it, and it really depends. I, I, I I'm much more yeah. likely to watch a show with high schoolers if they're if it's a comedy, like if they're goofing around. Like uh, Tanaka yeah. Kun is always listless. Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun, those are great. Yes, um, because they're so silly and they capture that sense of absurdity, of absurd importance. I think is how I described it in like this essay I wrote about Cute Hires Defense Club Love. Um, oh, that is that part much. of like the high school experience. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I like comedies, too, quite a bit. Um, again, as long as they don't do anything. As long as they're kind of warm-hearted, I as guess. As long as they're not love there. tyrant, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I don't know. I have a wide umbrella. I like a lot of different stuff. It's just kind of like certain elements have to come together to catch my eye, I guess. Yeah. And I think I'm, I guess, a little bit different to all of you because I really don't like surreal stuff very much. <laughs> so I've watched Utena. I don't like it that much. Um, I appreciate and respect what it does as a story and I appreciate its place in fandom history and I think it's the right place but uh, I I don't think I could watch it again. Yeah. I watched it once as a group and that was wonderful because it was as a group. Watching it on my own, all 50 whatever episodes would be just too much for me. Um, 39. And a movie. <laughs> it felt like 50. Oh, no. oh. 
Um, I tend to be more drawn to the stories that are very tightly about character development. Um, mm-hmm. I love seeing underdogs overcome their internal obstacles. I, I just, you know, Shonen is kind of made for me a lot of the time. I like those kind of quite straightforward stories. Like anything can be happening around these people, but are they growing as people? Um, or if they're not growing, is it an exploration of kind of the, the human experience such as it is? So I guess on one end of the spectrum, you've got something like Scum's Wish, which is all about nuance and complexity and humanity and flaws and problems. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got something like Naruto and they've both touched me in very, very different ways. Um, but those are kind the kinds of things that I tend to be drawn to. So that context then, can we is... also agree that did uh, did Sayo Yamamoto make it is oh, yeah. a, is a qual is is a quality of immediate approval? Ooh, this is gonna, oh. get, this is gonna get good later. <laughs> oh, right? Yes, I, I I have to fight you in the street. I forgot. Okay, if that's what's gonna happen, that's what's gonna happen. I've only I, seen I also, Yuri on Ice, so I can't I comment on that. I tend to feel that, that way about Ikuhara as well. I'm like, oh, Ikuhara made it. All right, let's give this. Let's 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 stick this out. It's true. It, it might end the in moment you said Ikuhara. I just the moment you said Ikuhara, I just yeah. winced. So. Let's let's fight on yeah. Tokyo <laughs> Tower like an ex. <laughs> oh, oh, the clamp phase that I had. Yes, mm-hmm. had past tense. <laughs> if they'd settle okay. down and tell a concrete story again, I could probably sit down because I would know it would end. Well, con- car captor's <laughs> coming back, so you're you're good. Oh, I'm there for That's that. Right. Yeah. Oh heck yeah. Everybody is. On which common ground we can move on to our questions? Yes. <laughs> sure. So we had some great questions from people on Twitter, and um, that have really made us think. Certainly, there's like absolutely there were questions that I wasn't expecting, and I'm really interested to hear what you all have to say. Um, so the first one, nice simple one to start with, from at Senpai Notes on Twitter. What is your favorite show that's aired since you started up? Who wants to step in with that? I would probably have to say, uh, if since NFM started up, uh, yeah. it, it, that, that was like uh, mid summer, right, or late summer uh, or into no, fall. No, it much. would be it would be the autumn season. Sorry, the fall yeah. season. Okay, okay. Then I probably so have to go to, with Flip Flappers uh, because it had most of the things that I described in the previous question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really strong character narrative, the main character. I love that, like Evangelion, like self like actualization type story that's like my kryptonite I, I have to watch it if it's got that and it does it really well it has the visual metaphors uh and the cognitive spaces it does really well and like pablo like all they do is like backgrounds and environments so they did some super crazy stuff uh the animation was like off the chart and like really well directed um and i just thought it was super charming um had a few problematic elements but like uh i don't know i just like was looking forward to it so much every single week uh it's yuri on ice like of, <laughs> of course it's yuri on ice um I've, i'm a huge fan of every every series that sayo yamamoto has directed and she only does that once every four years or so thus far so it's like an event for me every time she comes out with a new series <laughs> and beyond that it's just it, it's a really strong character narrative which i tend to prefer over plot driven stuff uh it, it looks mm-hmm. beautiful it's very gay and just on a personal note it, it was kind of a series that became kind of a date night thing with my partner so it, it was it was a very special just time and place thing yeah i'd agree with that i mean yuri on ice is my answer i rewatched it so much as it was airing i thought it every week i thought of new blog posts i could write about it i haven't written about them but i thought of things <laughs> i could write about every single week um, and also, again, on a personal note, it's one that I've actually been able to share with a very old friend of mine. We've known each other, goodness, 20, 22 years, and she's never watched anime with me. And I was able to show her this anime, and she loved it. And she keeps sending me Yuri on Ice fan art that she comes across on Pinterest. It's, it's just really nice to have that relationship with someone that I've known for so long and has never shared this hobby with me. Yeah, Yuri on Ice, absolutely. Dee? Um, is it... Okay, so... I would say that Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju probably doesn't count because season one started before Anifem kicked up. Is that fair? No, 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 go for it. No, no, you can count it. You can Because I can name a different show if you guys want me to. You can name two Um, shows if you want. We're not going to be that rigid with the rules. Um, Yeah, uh, Rakugo Shinju, it was um, 
season two I might have even liked better than season one because I was very attached to the more attached to the characters I think because the season one I was kind of still kind of trying to figure out what the show was doing Mm. yeah and then with season two I had a better idea so I was just like latched onto um these these sad wonderful complicated flawed people and so it was like not only was it really interesting on kind of an intellectual analytical level but it just punched me in the feels every week um, so Rakugo Shinju would be the one I would, I would name if, um, if it counts, um, without if it doesn't count, it does, before any fan. it yeah. does if count, it but if count, it didn't count, if it didn't count, then it would be classicaloid. Ah. <laughs> as far as favorite show that has aired, uh, since Anifem started, I look forward to, I looked forward cause oh, it's season, ended. season one is over. <laughs> season two will happen. So I'm, I'm doing okay. Oh, has it been confirmed? Um, it was just every every Saturday morning I would wake up just so excited to be able to watch this zany, um, again, this kind of warm-hearted comedy that was very silly and just completely went all in on its weirdness and had a great time, and it was, it was a blast. So, yeah, favorites would be those two, which are about as different as you can get, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think so. I don't know how you watched um, Rakugo week to week. Like, I binged it, and that was painful enough. It was painful. <laughs> oh, it's such a good show, but just the, the tension of, of, oh, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, there were a couple of ending, episode endings in season one, where, and I was new to anime again. I hadn't ever watched anime week to week before. This was my first experience watching anime week to week. And yeah, there were a few later in the season where I was just like, this is why we don't watch anime week to week, was what I was thinking. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, of all the anime or manga your readers recommended, which ones did you like the most? And that was from at Suffixa, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And I just have to step up and say our readers recommend really great sounding anime and manga to us all the time. And I read every single one of them and think, oh, that sounds really good. I'd really like to watch this or I'd really like to read this. I just don't have time at the moment. If it's not going to become Anifem content in some way or if it's not related to my freelance writing then I just can't justify the time right now. Again, I hope that'll change in uh, in months, years to come. But I'd love to know what you guys have, have picked up on. I don't think anyone's ever directly recommended me anything, at least among our community. They may have in comments. Um, no, yeah, no, uh, think... at least not on my pieces. I don't... Oh, okay. Oh, no, wait, um... Somebody recommended something uh, alongside, a, uh, alongside a Roica that sounded interesting, but I haven't had a chance to get... To, to give it a shot yet this is not a helpful answer somebody else carry on <laughs> anyone else uh, okay uh i don't know if i've got any recommendations from readers specifically but i, I did kind of have a good story about it was related to anime feminist uh mm-hmm. i think it, it was it was coming uh, it actually came up a twitter argument so something positive coming up a twitter argument oh, it's like good. the only time in the universe this has ever happened uh <laughs> So somebody was, I can't remember quite what the context was, but they were basically complaining about anti, uh, they were, they were complaining about SJWs. So, you know, great foundation for a, a discussion. Uh, <laughs> and over the course of conversation, it, it got really weird. Um, it was pretty heated, but uh, once the, offhandedly, the person just added an extra tweet at the end of a string that said that they were really pissed off that Wandering Sun was taken off Crunchyroll. And I was like, I never heard of that. So I ended up uh, looking it up, and it was on Crunchyroll. I don't know where they got the impression it was taken off. Maybe it was off briefly or something like that. Um, but I'm just like, hey, hey, it's still on there. And then they're like, oh, well, it's really good. You should watch it. <laughs> so I, I was I was, I was, was curious. I read the premise. I was like, this sounds really good. This person was literally just complaining about SJWs, and this, is, this sounds like a, it's about uh, – a uh, trans kid, and uh, I watched it, and it was a freaking amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really good. I, I tweeted the guy back later, and uh, I, I was like, "This was really good. Like, uh, I, thanks for recommending it." <laughs> and we had a short conversation about it, which was pretty positive. Uh, and yeah, I was just really surprised that it came with that kind of thing. Uh, Wandering sounds really good. I, I recommend it myself. Anyone who likes a silent <laughs> voice, it's it's very similar to that, especially if it trans issues are important to you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got, a really amazing series. It, it's something where I need to visit the the anime because I have a few side eye things about how they maybe wrapped up that last episode there that I can't write about yet. But uh, anyway, the manga is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the ending was a bit. Uh, I felt like they just found a cutoff point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little afraid to read the manga right now because that that it got really like real and you know it's one of those series you have to like prepare yourself for. Yeah, it's, um, I could talk Wandering Sun spoilers, but people maybe don't 
I haven't too. seen it yet, so that's yeah. a podcast for another day, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely yeah. is. D, how about you? I don't. I tend to get instead of, and this is more from like the Jesse next door than from Annie Femme specifically. Um, I don't tend to get a lot of recommendations. What I will get is people saying, "Hey, have you seen this? And if you have, what did you think about it?" Mm. Um, and a lot of the time, I have because I've seen a lot of stuff, and um, or I've tried it and it wasn't for me or whatever. Um, but sometimes titles will come up where I'm like, "No, I haven't seen that, but that sounds neat." Um, the thing is, I because I do have such a big backlog, um, I'm really bad about picking up recommendations, even from my uh, friends. Same. Um, because I just because I do, I have a lot of other stuff that I'm like sitting on. And it's like, well, I, I know I want to get to this too, so I kind of like add it to the queue, and then sometimes I just forget <laughs> about it. Um, Vry can attest to this to give kind of a non-anime related example. Um, it took two years and five people telling me to listen to the Adventure Zone podcast uh, before I finally <laughs> picked it up. And then I finally did, and they were right. It was great. I love it. Um, but it took. But that's how and long it took. You had to two years go, of okay, episodes fine. to listen to. I, I had like three by that point. Um, but yeah, so um, it's one of those things where it's like you almost have to like just keep peppering me with it, and then I'm like, fine, just to shut you up, I'll try it out, and then I try it out, and I like it. Um, and because of that, because I had, I did have multiple readers ask about uh, both Princess Jellyfish and Natsume's Book of Friends, um, I was like, okay, fine, I guess I'll push them up my queue since so many people like them. And they were right, they were great, and I like them both a whole lot. So those would probably be the two recommendations that stick out as ones um, that are, that I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy people kind of, kind of pestered me with them until I finally did, did get to them. And then um, you had seven so, okay. seasons of Natsumi to watch. Well, I'm, catching, I'm watching it with a friend, and we're kind of catching up together, and it's been it's been fun. It's it's a gradual process, but it's it's been really enjoyable. Um, In fairness, so yeah, you, dear, yeah, you you did do that to me with Rock ago, and then I got you, and then I got to say you were right, you're right, you're very right. Brian and I pester each other with stuff until we watch it, basically. So, okay, next question. Okay, what's your favorite guilty pleasure anime from the past six months? And bonus, try to convince us to watch it by pitching it like an infomercial. Thanks, Ibonbi, at Sable Steel. Um, I'm going to plead Englishness and say I have no idea what an infomercial is supposed to sound like, so I'm going to skip that. Um, any of you guys want to answer first? I haven't gone first yet. Um, and the last six months, I'll keep a strip. It was, and I can't, I can't pitch it. I can't pitch it to anyone. I can, I can, I can sort of explain to you why I like it. Yeah. Um, but I get to, and then they have to strip people to save the world. And it's like, and then everyone walks away and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, so I can't like, it's, it's, it's got problems that I will never attempt to justify. Um, but it's very bright and optimistic. And I really, I really enjoy the characters, even though the show doesn't always treat them as well as it should. You put up screenshots of, of like a Yu-Gi-Oh parody. Was that? There are that... two. There are two amazing things about Akiba's trip. The first is that the second episode, they they fight. the bad guy is a literal militant nerd gatekeeper. Mm. Um, and and like the whole point of the episode is like, don't keep people out of the fandom. Everyone started as a rookie. You should be nice to them so the content will survive. And I was like, yes, this show is good. Um, <laughs> and then and then I think it's like episode eight or nine or something is the best Yu-Gi-Oh parody I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it was incredible. Like, even if you don't want to watch the whole show, just watch the Yu-Gi-Oh episode if you watched Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. It's amazing. Um, and that's one of the few episodes where the bad guy's a, a dude, and so the person they strip to save the day is a guy. So that happens sometimes. Episode um, eight, you say? <laughs> it's eight or nine. I don't remember the exact number, but somewhere somewhere in the back half. Um, just flick through to you find something that looks like Yu-Gi-Oh. That's a pretty yeah, good pitch. But I... I really like That's it. a pretty good pitch, that was, yeah. That was my guilty pleasure. Vry, what was yours? I can't even defend the fact that I'm still watching Seven Mortal Sins. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's it's bad and it's porn and like my best foot forward is hey, do you miss the times in the mid two thousands where the where the etchy series featured characters who all looked like adult women instead of underage girls? This show oh, may no. be for you. <laughs> It's, it's opening theme is titled "Whatever Happened to Queen's Blade?" Oh my, yeah, and oh my god, the ending series, the the ending song has like this raspy dude trying to do like bad club banger music, and I laughed <laughs> so hard. And there's that, show, these... that premiere was kind of hilarious. Yeah, like, and, and there comes a certain point where it's like you can only laugh so hard at the hilarious pentagrams and the light bars because it is very like 
non-consensual groping heavy in a way that I know would make many people rightfully uncomfortable. And I'm sure there's an element that's just like, that's just me going, oh, this is an entirely female cast that might have a, that that might have Yuri in it. And I'm very, very gay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so but not underage girls is your pitch there. No, yeah, yeah, no. Look, adult fan service. <laughs> also, if you like uh, those Full Metal Alchemist uh, uh, alchemy circle coasters, you'll love this anime as well. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. like, the the fact that the censorship is so blatant and so lazy, it's yeah. amazing. Peter, what was your guilty pleasure anime? Uh, when the when I first read the question, my immediate thought was Tanya, and then I thought about that for a while, and I was just like, "But were there were there problems in Tanya?" Uh, and I I feel like when I heard the premise, I'm just like, "This is going to be a problem." Um, but then it wasn't. So is there uh, nothing that you've watched in the last six months where you've been like, "Nah, this is something I can never write about for Anafem"? <laughs> uh, not really. I'd have to say, like, I, if I were was talking about guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, it would probably be maybe Kimono Friends. Uh, it, yeah, I honestly, okay, I have to pitch it, right? Uh, I, <laughs> I did, I did watch it. It's, it is just so bizarre because it is like, it's got the lowest budget, I think, in it. it's got to break some sort of record for low budgets in anime. Entirely 3D CG. Uh, it's like a kid's show basically, but there's, I don't know, something about it is just really appealing the way they act. Uh, and then there's this undercurrent of this potentially like horror, like this horrific, like post-apocalyptic dystopia that they're wandering through while it's all these cheery girls talking about like making friends and stuff. And, oh, and it's hot kind of boys. set. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's so, there's so many theories about it now that it, it's hard to really get into. It's kind of like this slow burn that's existing on the background this whole time. And then it, the voice acting is really good too. But a lot of it is just like watching 3D models clipping through their environment <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, and the soundtrack's amazing because when they fight these like really poorly rendered 3D blue orbs, it's like got this house techno playing. It's the same music like Blade slays vampires too. I, I can't, I can't just, <laughs> describe this series is like an assault on the senses. And they're like, I shouldn't like it, but I do. And I guess that's why <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure. Also, I can't do it like an infomercial because I literally failed an interview because I wasn't able to do that. So <laughs> I'm not going to talk like I'm trying to sell you a set of knives or anything. Okay. Um, well, my answer, I mean, I, I echo what you've all said. I can't defend it. My show notes literally say Twin Star Exorcist and I can't convince anyone to watch it because it is terrible. So <laughs> it has... Like the selling point of it for me is that the relationship between the two stars of the ship, the, the, the twin stars themselves, um, is one that I particularly like. And I've only really seen otherwise in something like Nodame Cantabile, where the two have kind of professional ambitions that they push each other to achieve. And it's quite a specific dynamic. And it's one I haven't seen replicated in many places. And the idea is that as soon as one of them starts kind of achieving, the other one sees that and goes, ah, I need to work harder. And then they they kind of get a little bit more ahead and the other one sees that and goes, oh no, I need to work harder. And that's that's just a dynamic that I really quite like. You see it in Shonen all the time between male characters. You don't often see it between male and female characters, let alone those who are expected to kind of eventually be romantically involved. And romance is an element of Twin Star Exorcist and it's handled in a very positive way from my perspective so they have one kind of older couple older i'm like older than teenaged you know? <laughs> um they have um one couple who they become engaged and when they do he comes out with this i want to protect your smile line and she basically says no that's unacceptable because i need to protect you and your smile as well so just that Aww. kind of yeah that kind of foundation is through twin star exorcist and it it underpins all the relationships I can think of in it and so that's something I really appreciated um but it it's not the tightest of shows it's like 50 episodes 52 episodes something like that and they could probably have cut it down to a good 26 and it would have been exactly the same story Mm. so I've heard the manga improves on it and I say improves on it the manga is the source material but I've heard that that uh takes a, a stronger approach to it I'm not sure. I need to read it. I'd like to. But it was 
something that I actually, I probably looked forward to that more every week than most things that I kept up with. And I kept up with it for a full year. So says something. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is something. But I I thought so many times, like we've talked on, you know, Anafem about recommending favorites. And every time it came to recommendation, I would put down Twin Star Exorcists in some capacity and then I would delete it because I couldn't <laughs> possibly recommend it. So... <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. Oh wait, 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 wait! Was uh, was was Seraph of the End in the last six months? Because holy shit! No, no. that was that was no, that was last year. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was definitely a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Not the last six months, though. Not the last six months. Curses. <laughs> um, vaguely related question: How often do you guys legit enjoy problematic anime? And that's from Scott A at Green Tea Samurai. Pretty frequently. All yeah. the time. All the yeah. time. Forever. <laughs> I'd say three to five shows per season is like it have are like legitimately problematic and i still watch them like last season uh dragon maid had its issues interview with monster girls was just a constant tug of war between uh whether it's going to be about the characters or just this shitty like horrible harem situation yeah uh then before that i mean hit hell flip flappers was problematic in a, in some ways too so i i'd say uh, at least three to five season are problematic but i legit enjoy them so mm. we don't not watch that yeah. stuff yeah, I feel like there's very few things that are that I go into and I go, there are no issues with this yes, whatsoever exactly. at all. Like, that's really rare. So, I mean, pretty much every show I watch, there's going to be some moment where, like, you know, my eyebrow gives a little twitch. And I'm like, oh, that's not great. Even but Rakugo. It, <laughs> yeah. Even, even Rakugo had, had, like, and very, very few moments in Rakugo. But... I will de- I will kind of defend those decisions, but I did not care for them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Overall, um, I think I think it's hard to find a show that you're like, well, there's no there's no issues with this. It's perfect. Um, so I think I enjoy problematic stuff, you know, pretty much constantly. Um, and like, there are certain things that will push me out of a show where I'm like, no, that's my threshold. I'm not enjoying this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stop watching. But yeah, I enjoy problematic stuff all the time. Yeah, I think it it comes down to a question of what is the problematic element um, and, uh-huh. and then like how much how much does that meet or it, does it overweigh the elements of the show that you find valuable? Yeah. Because like, yeah, I, I'm all I'm, I'm a big fan of horror. So I'm all problematic stuff all the time. I'm reading Killing Stalking right now. So <laughs> the heights of problematic material. Uh, but yeah, that, that issue of how much value am I getting out of this versus how much is it is it uh, deleterious to the overall effect yeah and i think everyone has specific deal breakers as well like i'm particularly mm-hmm. sensitive to stuff involving fan service involving breasts like there's there's a certain tipping point past which you have to be a very rare anime indeed to win me over um something like the seven mortal sins character designs like drop them into any anime and instantly i don't think i can watch it um so and everyone you know that doesn't bother some people it certainly doesn't bother Vry, and i'm so grateful for it um (laughs) but everyone will have different deal breaker issues and they'll have different deal breaker tipping points and so you end up watching stuff that's you know problematic to somebody else but you know for me it's within my personal tolerance so yeah i almost wonder if the things that are kind of like our deal breakers are also things that like the genres that we were drawn to like over the years because we've all been anime fans for a while at this point mm-hmm. yeah um were things that were especially prevalent and we kind of just got sick of them because like amelia you were saying fan service is a big thing for you and i mean and i know you're you're a big fan of like the shonen genre and that is kind of a prevalent problem in shonen yeah. um my big thing is consent and i'm a big shoujo fan and that is a prevalent problem oh. in shoujo um so it kind of makes me makes me wonder if part of it is like something you really want to enjoy and this thing keeps happening and so it becomes like an even bigger problem because of that element of like it's taking you away from something you'd like to like does oh. that make sense yeah maybe listeners chip in and let us know if you agree with that that would be a very interesting discussion yeah da- I, that's true like i think uh damseling with me just makes me want to vomit these days Every time, <laughs> like I, a female character i like is just like this they have to rescue her in one arc or something Ugh, i hate it i like to stop watching something because of that Okay, and that leads us very nicely onto the next question, which is what yeah. anime have you really wanted to like but been unable to and why? And that's from At Spirit Skies. Uh, I, I can start. I really, really wanted to like uh, Aka 13 because it's oh. 
it it because it's the same author of, uh, as House of Five Leaves, which is one of my all time favorites. Just as like a a very quiet little found family character drama with also like a low key romance, and I just adore it so much. And Akka was just a little bit too cold. Like I couldn't, I I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being allowed to get closer than arm's length to any of the characters. And I didn't feel like I really got why they liked each other either. (laughs) So I was kind of left with this fantasy world building that I didn't really care about and a very chill, slow moving conspiracy plot that couldn't hook me in because I will always take character writing over plot writing any day. Right. And that then, makes sense. Uh, more on the terms of just like outright plot problematic anime. Um, I'm a fan of Attack on Titan, but I sometimes really struggle with that because I, I know that Isayama is overtly um, pro-imperialist and knowing that and then seeing the militar- pro-militarist themes in that anime can get very uncomfortable. So that's like what anime have you really wanted to like without feeling guilty, but being unable to and why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like listening to Kanye West music. <laughs> and that is the only time those two comparisons will ever be drawn so. <laughs> yeah. D, how about you this is a broad answer like 80 percent of the long-running shonen blockbuster series um, that everybody's really into um i i want to like the things that other people are liking and be a part of that conversation and i just i tend to struggle with those because the arc-based format tends to kind of lose my interest like if i don't have a general idea of where the story is going to end um, I am, I have to really like the characters and just want to hang out with them like almost in a sitcom format. Yeah. Um, and so if it doesn't have that extra level of um, of like character hook there, um, it tend I tend to kind of just lose interest. Um, and and which is a pacing issue to a point. Um, and then a lot of the time they do this thing where they have these really good female characters and then they just sideline them. And yeah. Yes. So I get into these, I get into shows and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't care about this, about McBoyface, who's leading the story. He's not, <laughs> he's not that interesting to me. What about these people over here? These people seem great. Um, yeah. And so, and I think that those, that those two things kind of combine a lot of the time to the point where it's like, well, I tried, but not so much. Um, and then again, like that's 80, 85% of them. Cause then I also, I really liked Hunter Hunter. I really like My Hero Academia right now. Um, there, are, I mean, there are absolutely exceptions to that rule. Yeah, of course. But a lot of those series, I wish I could be a part of like the big fan base for them, and I just can't get into them. Uh, my answer is kind of the opposite. Um, it's it's the surreal stuff. So I mentioned earlier that I really struggled with Utena. Um, Flip Flappers was heartbreaking for me because so many people that I like and respect value it and so many people told me you have to watch this you'll really like this it's really feminist relevant it's got amazing themes amazing character arcs you have to watch it and I watched it all the way through and it just left me cold the last few episodes did they slipped into a more linear narrative I think in the last few episodes they slipped into a, a mode that was a bit easier for me to grasp and really engage with but before that, it was honestly like good eight, nine, ten episodes of just kind of convincing myself to watch the next one because maybe then, maybe then I'd really get it. But I know that was a big favorite for a lot of people, so I felt really bad that I couldn't get into that one. No, yeah, I, I feel like yeah, I feel that way about Eureka Seven. So many people have, have wrecked that to me. Oh, it gets good at thirty episodes in, and I just can't engage. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah. I mean, this is the issue we have with ReZero. Whenever I recommend that, I say okay. It's really amazing from episodes 12 to 18. And those first 11 episodes get really good the second time through when you watch it. So it's, <laughs> it's a hard sell. A, we got Caitlin to watch commitment. it through once. Yeah. Um, I think she might do a rewatch, but not particularly willingly. So yeah, it's a very difficult sell, that one. Peter, what was your uh, anime you wanted to like, but been unable to and why? Okay, here we go. Um... Come on, do it. We're going to fight in the street. <laughs> It's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah, out out the gate, I really enjoyed it. And obviously it was such a huge thing that, like, uh, like we were doing a watch-along in in Crunchyroll office. Everybody would get into the lobby. We have this huge, like, 4K TV. Like, every Wednesday at noon, uh, they would all get lunch and and watch it together. Uh, And I was doing that for a while. But as the series progressed, I just kind of fell out of love with it. I like there were aspects that I really liked about the series, but um, I just like some of the narrative decisions really, really, really bothered me. 
specifically like Yuri's internal monologue undermining all the actual actions he was taking that would have deepened his relationship with Victor. Uh, and again, I'm, I don't read too much BL, so I'm not too familiar with their tropes and stuff like that, and I, I doubt I'm like the target audience, but it seems like just looking at it from a writing perspective, that and uh, and I'm not like a denialist or anything, but uh, like the ending, especially like really like like pissed me off a little bit where it <laughs> felt like she would always like approach the gap and then Yuri would jump back and it the way she was doing it, I couldn't like po- like possibly like just say, oh, they're kind of teasing or something like that. And at the end, I just, I, like, didn't care anymore at all. And now the second season's coming, and I'm, I'm kind of dreading it, actually, because I know it's going to be a big deal again, and I doubt I'll connect with it the way I did the first time. Honestly, all the way through, I, I mentioned earlier, it was my favorite show that's aired since we started. Um, I absolutely loved it, completely engaged, completely immersed in fandom. The last two episodes left me cold, and I haven't watched it since. So I do understand where you're coming from with that. The last two episodes very much feel like oh shit this is really popular we should probably like keep it open-ended and have a season two exactly that's kind of the way and and i mean again i'm not gonna assume that that's the case Um, i'm sure somebody who follows like the the interviews and stuff could tell me that was not the case at all but that's the way it felt um as far as narratively goes um, it did feel like stepping back didn't it because they they had upped the ante every week consistently from week one and then suddenly they drew back and I thought, okay, this is, it was what, episode 11. And I was thinking, all right, that basically resets the entire stage so that they can come back with a really big climax. And then it was just quite underwhelming for Then me. Victor tells him to take initiative and kiss him, basically. And Yuri says, oh, will you be my coach again? Yeah. I, I, there are all sorts of completely worthwhile narrative reasons to do that but the end result was that it left me a bit cold so yeah i sympathize mm-hmm. i don't agree but i do sympathize yeah, and i hear a bunch <laughs> of criticism of the series and like all the denialist shit which just drives me insane with and yeah. it's like and there's so much like pushback on the series that i feel like almost bad about criticizing it but there's some elements that i think i just like yeah, personally i i'm like why did you do that I mean, just to be clear, when you say denialist, we're talking specifically about how people who are like, no, it's there's yeah, absolutely no it. queer content whatsoever, yes. and not people who, because there is an ambiguous reading, and if you want to read it as not a sexual relationship, for example, you can do that. It does allow that, and I think that's kind of the frustration with the last couple of episodes is it doesn't close that down. It doesn't kind of pick a pick a path and commit to it. There are people who give quite reasonable criticisms of the they are definitely in a relationship they are definitely romantically involved and i don't want to completely shut that down that's not my perspective but i also respect where those people are coming from yeah anybody who watches that show and says it's completely heterosexual though is just out of their mind and that's what they're talking about yeah that's the thing there's a difference between an absence of clear homosexuality and saying it is definitely heterosexual so i mean that's kind of the the line i'm talking about yeah it's like why are you even watching the show Vry, do you have a rebuttal? Yeah, really quiet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um, well, it's uh, I'm 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 legitimately kind of thinking about uh because it it's hard for me to a it's been a while since I watched it but b I also feel so much it's one of those shows that I feel so much about yeah. um but yeah it's it's one of those things that is. It's one of those shows that that definitely I would need to revisit to speak about critically, I think, because I feel so many ways about it. You know, it's it's very special to me, both in terms of how much I'm very into the themes that Sayo Yamamoto is working with, as well as just how it related to my personal life. I found it very interesting in the way that it plays and responds to BL tropes in general, because that's something she really likes to do when she works with a genre uh, is, um, is respond back to it and kind of play with the tropes. I do, I do agree that it doesn't necessarily commit in some of the ways that um, would have been perhaps most satisfying to somebody who's not really attuned to that kind of thing in anime. I mean, compared to a lot of shows that you would, call queer baiting free i'm looking at you and i'm not sorry (laughs) um it's very i i could i i could accept a reading of it that is she's playing this game of 
how much can you show while not calling the thing by its name and still have people deny it, which is interesting uh, from a creative standpoint, but from a viewership standpoint can be frustrating because there will always be people, even after uh, Kubo came out and said, why, yes, they did smooch on the ice that one time. There, there will still be people who try to erase that reality. So you kind of, to a certain extent, how much do you need to be overt in those areas versus having the, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, all things being equal, you could play something very interesting with just, you know, how, um, how does content shown relate to content spoken, which I think was a, was a similar problem with Yuri Kuma Arashi that kind of wanted to play with the idea of these are overtly sexual relationships that are calling each other friends, but then didn't ever really go anywhere with that. So I, th I think it's a it's a fraught and interesting issue and yeah it's um there there were some I, I felt like um Yuriana is trying to do a few too many things with the thirteen episodes it probably had too many characters but I it only had I was, twelve episodes I wish it had thirteen we could have had a banquet episode that would have been amazing I, I guess no, I God. mean. In fairness, I'm th I'm comp like in my head, I'm always comparing it to this is a much more narratively satisfying thing than than number six, which only got eleven episodes and desperately needed twelve. <laughs> True, God, that poor show that I still love so much. But no, yeah, I um I I I do not have time for people who say that the relationship is not heterosexual but also not romantic. Like I could see that you could argue maybe they are not involved yet, but. Um, the fact that the the narrative is so built clearly built to go that way, um, I just I don't I don't have time for that kind of thing for a show that was so such an event that connected so many people whether or not they're normally fans of anime or not. Uh, it feels very important to me to preserve that element of it. I really yeah, wish nobody that they can deny that. It like destroyed Blu-ray sales. It mm -hmm. like it was huge. It was just, like so many people watched it. Won like everything in the anime awards. I don't. I don't think anybody can say that it wasn't a hit for sure. Oh, absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier, it was one that I was able to share with an anime muggle, like somebody who just doesn't isn't familiar at all. So that was really meaningful for me. Okay, let's move on from your own ice because we could fill a podcast with that. Yep. Maybe and someday we will. Maybe we will. Um, what series has come closest to flawless? And in the same breath, what have you seen that is the most irredeemable? And that's by William Dunn at The Duntist. I love his username. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's okay, first off, series come closest to flawless. Does anyone have an answer that is not Showa Gen no Kudakugo Shinju? Our evolutionary girl, Utna! Last six months, last six months. Oh, oh, oh that's, did they say last, last six months? months? Because I'm pretty... This, is, oh. this podcast is to separate our, celebrate our first six months as anime. Oh. So yeah. I can't talk oh. about Gankutsu then. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah, in another I... podcast. For this one, we're talking last six oh. months. I just thought they meant in general. I'm sure they did, um... but I'm refining it. Mm. Then it's then From... it's Rakugo. <laughs> it is Rakugo, isn't it? Uh, it is Rakugo. It, yeah, last six months, I can't think of a series that was cleaner than Rakugo. Yep, and we've already discussed why. That's great. Um, irredeemable from the last six months. Fuck off, Love Tyrant. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go beyond that. I'm gonna say Super Lovers. Yep. Oh God, yes. <laughs> oh, did that air? Did that air in the fall? Season two even, yeah. was season in two. Winter, season two just finished. Yeah. I watched the first episode of that because I watched all the premieres and then I noped out, so I completely forgot there was a season two airing last uh, last time around. I have a very long draft somewhere of a post breaking down why Super Lovers is just the worst possible version of anime that has ever existed. Um, obviously I haven't published it yet, but... <laughs> anime already has a problem with, with sexualizing underage characters, and I don't yep. want to hear about consent laws. Stop it. Stop the comment you're typing right now. Stop it. Um, yep. What, we do not need an anime, particularly a, a queer anime, that's romanticizing grooming. When there that's are, there is already too much conflation exactly between... Exactly the problem. He's underage. They're technically brothers. They're legally brothers. Um, he's we see the we see the grooming. It's really appalling. We see his consent overridden time and time again. It is horrible. And it got a second season. And that second season was made available where other shows have not been made available. So I just think Super Lovers represents the absolute worst of anime and of its distribution in the West. 
Anyone could top that? Anyone? Um, I can't top it, though. I do want to shout out to Azetta. Ah. Um, uh, like, that was another such... one that made me, like, viscerally angry, where she was Which supposed one? to be a... a, a Azetta. Uh, the Last Witch. Oh, I think that was the yeah, last. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> she was supposed to be a character that everybody admired, but, like, she was just constantly getting sexually assaulted by these other characters for, for comedy, for comedic purposes. And she was, like, crying on screen, and it was just absolutely disgusting. And I couldn't believe that it was supposed to be comedy. Uh, it, it was like, I don't know, it's a lot of tropes, but it was, like, turned up to 11 in that series, and it undermined the premise of her character. So, like, narratively, it didn't work. It, I just, like, it just felt like they were just like, this is what you guys want, isn't it? And <laughs> I just, yeah, I was, it was, like, grossed out. That one was really, really, really bad. I literally saw that scene, and I couldn't watch anymore. I turned it off, and I never picked it up again. And I'll give a shout-out to Armed Girls Machiavellism, which is currently airing, which is the only anime in the six months we've aired it's the it, we've aired in the six months since we launched it's the only anime that's aired that i've watched and then come back to the group and said you guys this is super offensive and offensive is not a word i throw around very much it's not a word i use lightly arm girl back arm girls machiavellism absolutely offensive it's it's appalling and i don't because it's baked into the premise there's absolutely no way it can possibly improve and that was my answer for this question before i remembered the existence of super lovers yeah, I thought you'd go with Super Lovers. <laughs> okay. Anyone want to add to that? Or... Everybody nope. nice and angry? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I don't think I, I... I mean, again, I watch a lot of... I watch all the premieres, so I definitely have seen a lot of bad stuff, but I tend to just... I've seen so much of it that I kind of just wipe it from my memory. Yeah. Um, and in the last six months, I don't think there's really been anything... Arrow manga sensei that, I, that is anything that has stuck with me that I'm like that is that is completely irredeemable awful like I can't even get through you know like 15 minutes of it kind of thing um there's been again there's been some bad stuff but nothing that really jumps out at me um I had an answer for this Amelia but it was it was my entire like life of watching anime not um and, and reading manga not uh not specifically the last six months so yeah no I'm I I think you guys have covered the the big ones. Um, they just I tend to just try to purge those from my brain as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily stick with me. Okay, final question is from Senpai Notes at Senpai Notes on Twitter. What other shows do you most look forward to writing on, whether it's a current or upcoming show or a classic? We've been discussing classics this entire time. Which which ones do you guys want to write about most? Um. So I've got a few. Um, most of them are like kind of like old shoujo or um, God, I just I love the I love um, Chinese inspired East I guess East Asian inspired um, fantasy series, mm-hmm. um, and I really haven't had a chance to write about them. Um, I'm rewatching Story of Sion Koku right now, and I would love an excuse to talk about that show um, several times if possible. Um, I'd like to. I have not rewatched the Twelve Kingdoms ever i saw it once like 10 years ago and i really want to get back to it oh that's happening um so i'd love to rewatch <laughs> that and then i'm sure there will be i'm sure there will be things in there that i can talk about um and then god help me i want to talk about shigi yugi with y'all. <laughs> um, that might be more podcast than writing um yeah but i think that would be i think that would be a really fun experience as a show that's very near and dear to my heart even though it's just riddled with problems and i know that <laughs> about it um so trying to sort of balance those those two that emotional versus that more analytical side would be would be interesting for sure. Yeah, there. I mean, I mean, there are um, you know there are things that will probably end up on the site. Like I have a there's a piece on Higurashi that I've kind of had backburnered forever and will eventually write about. Honest, I swear. Um, there are ones <laughs> that will probably never make it on there. Like, hey, who wants to hear about my feelings about about how frustrating the portrayal of gender is in Gundam Double O? The answer is nobody. Nobody. But the me. answer is Lauren Orsini. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lauren. I'm sure Lauren would be down for that. <laughs> um, as far as 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 far as like upcoming shows, I'm really got my fingers crossed for uh, Netsuzo Trap next uh, for the summer season um, because the the premise seems to be. Uh, the setup to school ga- school days, but gay, and I'm very <laughs> curious to see if that is a train wreck. Uh, so it's basically like uh, what shows are what specific shows are we looking forward to writing about? That are yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh. Uh, 
I don't know of any classics that I want to look back on and write, but I do know two shows that I'm very much looking forward to that I'm pretty sure are going to be in my like writing wheelhouse. The first is Ancient Magus Bride, mm. uh, which oh, I'm yeah. so looking forward to. It's like, uh, I don't know if anybody, there's probably it's a great. lot of people do. It's like uh, Natsumi's like Book of Friends meets Harry Potter. It's awesome. It's it's so good. I have to force myself not to read it too fast because I don't want the experience to end. That's how good this freaking manga is. <laughs> um, and it's very uh, cerebral. It's got a lot of magic in it, and uh, like there's a lot of like heartfelt connections that people form with others, and like the interactions between uh, like the real world and and magic. And it's just super super good. Um, and then uh, I don't know when the uh, the release date for this is like still to be announced, but Violet Evergarden. Uh, which I think is, like, the only grand prize winner of the Kyoto Animation Awards um, for its light novel, uh, which basically means it automatically gets fast-tracked to being an anime. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like uh, it's kind of out of their wheelhouse a little bit, but, I mean, I don't think they've ever released a bad anime. Um, Which studio? Sorry. uh, Kyoani. Oh, okay. What are your definitions of bad? Uh, that's a discussion. I'm, for I'm actually day. I'm I'm thinking back about the different things they've made so far. Actually, they did like all those TBS like Clonod Air kind of things. Maybe I'll just ignore that half of their production and, and maintain my statement, or <laughs> uh, or I'll scrub it from the record. <laughs> all right, uh, but uh, Violet Evergarden looks super good. I've read a bit about premise and it seems really amazing. Um, I don't know if there's like some problematic elements seated in there that have yet to reveal themselves, but um, I'm pretty excited about that one as well. So those are the two series I'm really looking forward to not only watching, but probably uh, writing a lot about. I don't ever read information about upcoming shows. I try to go into premieres really cold and know as little as possible so that I'm not biased towards... Yeah, I kind of do that too. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously everyone has bias. But if, I, if I'd if i read about Seven Mortal Sins before watching it, <laughs> I would have gone in with a certain mentality. Um, I think it, it, it just enables me to at least come in with a more positive mindset so i have no idea about upcoming shows i guess when re-zero's potential season two airs it would be so good to this time have a feminist space to talk about it oh yeah so that would be that would be amazing Watch i mean somewhere along. that isn't just my dms on twitter with peter <laughs> some, <laughs> we had some really great conversation there that nobody will ever read because you can't search for stuff on twitter yeah. um for my for me I think I'd really like to talk about race more. I am mixed race. It's not something I've had too many spaces to talk about ever. Um, it'll be really nice to look at the more anime featuring brown people because I'm not black. Um, and we've we've tried to kind of signal boost more, more black fans um, who write about anime. And that's not my experience. There's some overlap, but it's not the same. Um, at the same time, I don't have the, the kind of cultural identity of somebody who is completely from another country. So, you know, my mother is an immigrant, so her identity has been shaped by that. But I grew up in England um, and I just happened to be brown. So it would be really nice to kind of look at characters who are brown. <laughs> I know it sounds really simplistic, but for example, Planetess has some really great depictions of characters of color and also some problematic elements, which would be great to talk about. Um, Michiko and Hachin, I am so looking forward to watching. I haven't yet. I would really like to. When I do, I'm sure I'll have plenty to say on the racial side of things. I would love um, to hear about that. Cause I, I, I would, yeah, me too. I would really love to, to talk about it once I've seen it, which I absolutely will someday. <laughs> Um, the other thing is I'd really like to talk more about shonen anime and it's something that we've deliberately not done because we have a lot of readers and we wanted to cultivate a particular audience as well. We wanted to cultivate an audience who like shoujo and jose as well as shonen and seinen and I think there's a risk when you start an anime site it can kind of pigeonhole itself into appealing only to the demographics that enjoy shonen and seinen and don't really have much time for shoujo and jose and obviously that would have been completely contradictory to what we're trying to achieve here so we've deliberately not looked too much at shonen anime but naruto has been a huge influence on my life probably more than any other anime i think um and my yeah my hero academia is doing some amazing work right now and i really would like to look at that so hopefully once we've 
spent a bit more time looking at like manga is a big concern of us so we really need to divide our time between manga and anime but we also need to divide our time as evenly as possible between works that are specifically targeted at women and works that are more specifically targeted at men regardless of what the the consumer response is like the demographic targeting is quite prominent in Japan I think so Mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we're kind of distributing that as evenly as possible so when we when we do have more slots open up to to talk about the more male targeted uh anime I would love to look at some of these shonen shows so that's uh that's all our questions answered for today thank you so much to all of our twitter followers who submitted questions we will definitely be doing this again because it has been so much fun even over two podcasts Mm -hmm. i think it's been really great to just discuss these things um a little bit of housekeeping you can find all of our work on www.animefeminist.com you can find us on twitter at animefeminist you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash animefem and we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash animefeminist. This is how we pay all of our writers. This is how we pay our editor. We did say that at $900 in income, we would commit to weekly podcasts, but our Patreon pledges do fluctuate, as, as they always do. Um, and they do dip as well at the first of the month when everybody's payments come out. So we really need to be closer to kind of 920, 925 to, to make sure that that's locked in. We said at $900, we would do weekly podcasts. We will do that, but only when it's actually income and not just pledges. So if you can spare a dollar a month, it really does add up. So please go to patreon.com slash anime feminist and send us a dollar a month to continue our work. It is all very much appreciated. Thank you to Dee and Peter and Fry for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy next episode which will be our spring 2017 mid-season check-in. Bye!